0: I just can't believe this. It's the 44th episode of Low Profile. This is the season four finale, and I really couldn't be more excited because today I'm presenting to you my conversation with one of my all-time favorite musicians, the incomparable Sean O'Hagan. John's first major band was the Irish 1980s pop group Micro Disney. After that group disbanded, he started recording with his next project, The High Llamas, who released some of the most beautiful pop music of the last 30 years. Here's a song called The Hot Revivalist from their 1996 album, Hawaii. They spun So recently, Sean's dropped the High Llamas moniker in favor of using his own name. The latest Sean O'Hagan album is called Radom Calls, Radom Calls. And yes, there is an echo in here. So, Sean and I spoke about the stylistic transitions between his projects, his joining the band Stereo Lab, working with artists like Bonnie Prince Billy, how he became one of today's most in demand arrangers his recent bout with cancer and his love of soul music. After the interview, he shares an exclusive recording he and his daughter Livy made specifically for this episode. And then I share my gratitude for all the terrific people who contributed to this amazing season. Sean spoke to me from his home in England earlier this year.
1: I'm at home in uh, South London, in in Peckham, in South London in a small studio space where i sort of make stuff and um yeah and, and you're in i'm in olympia washington wow so are you surrounded by a lot of big trees and you know beyond the trees you can see a little bit of mountain
0: yeah we got mount rainier off in the distance and the puget sound coming in a couple miles away from here oh
1: my god
0: it's a lovely little ecosystem
1: Oh, that's just fantastic. Just fantastic.
0: It really is. You should come visit sometime. But, Sean, today I'm here to talk to you about your fantastic body of work. For about 30 years, you recorded under the name The High Llamas, and now you're back to using your given name, Sean O'Hagan. Yeah. And that's with the album Ratem Calls, Ratem Calls. Yeah. And I love the album by the way, it kind of picks up where the high llamas left off, uh, takes it in a little more dancy direction, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: the charity will have to shut till all the spoons I hate their guts holy war, I said in train, will still obtain. Your kids, so pale and short, see they will live in shopping carts, which you can wheel from place to place, but they won't hate. It's more informed by modern music. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right there. Out of curiosity, why the echo in the album title? Um, rain Calls, random Calls. Because
1: I had this song and I didn't have a lyric, and all I had was random Calls, random Calls, and the end with it, uh I was going to go random calls Raymond calls but don't call me. So it was always random calls random calls. It were and you know those sort of things are really nice nice to do because you can do them. It's it's a little bit like you know you, you you buy a a nice vase and you bring it home and you put it on this nice stand or a bureau and then you say I wonder what it looks like upside down so you put it upside down and you go okay. So you know, you can, you do because you can.
0: So I understand your daughter Livy has been sharing a lot of new music with you. Yeah. And you think that informed what we're hearing on this latest record?
1: Yeah. Um. I have to. I'd have to say yes to that. Yeah. Because. Well, first of all, I've never shied away from listening to a wide range of music. Uh. I've, and also, I'm 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 aware that this generation of Young musicians uh, from the late teens to their thirties, I think, are making some of the best music that we've um, that's that's been put out in in a while. Um, there are some really extraordinary artists, um, especially in the US. Uh, I'm talking about people like Solange um, and. Uh, oh yeah. You know, Solange is extraordinary. She's just wonderful. And these these are these are people who aren't completely left field. You know, they're in the mainstream, but they're just making beautiful music. Um, um, the uh, Chicago's coming up with so really. There's a wonderful artist called No Name, and another artist called Saber S A B A from. A thing called pivot gang and you've got in la you've got a woman called kadja bonnet she's she's fantastic she's quite psychedelic but she comes from hip hop and it's but it's pretty psychedelic um and these are all really wonderful the the these, these these kids are imaginative they're uh politically aware politically active they're they're just—they're just basically really turning around to the world that we, our world, old people's world—and just saying, "Yeah, we can do this." And they're also saying—they're also saying it can be better. Um, and I, 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 you know, that's just really lovely, I think. And you can't not be influenced by that. You can't just basically carry on with this we've been doing it for years and we know what all the influences are and we you know we've read the rule book and we've listened to all the soundtracks and we've listened to all the great jazz and we've and we we've listened to all the great 20th century um contemporary classical you know we know Schoenberg we know Webern but we know Steve Reich and we know Ferro Saunders whatever you can't just carry on just saying we know you've got to actually can maybe say maybe there are other people who know even more and 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 when you do that you really find music you find so much music and there is a danger i think for our generation to kind of just listen and say it's not nothing's as good as as as, as what, what our lot did, or what came before, you know, it's, there's a there's a danger there's a danger of doing that. And so it's really nice. And these these kids listen to music from before. I mean, these kids listen to amazing music, and they're listening to, you know, I'm I'm playing, uh, you know, I'm I might be playing Odyssey one day, or I might be playing um, Basil Cursin the next day, and these kids they're they they're just up and they're bright and they're going wow what the hell is that you know so you know great hope we we feel as though we wrote the rule book and so we don't need to we don't need to sort of uh, learn and uh, well basically that's what I was saying the danger would be because we think we we, we kind of we're the we, we wrote a rule book or that we we're we're, um, we're an influential generation that we don't we can't and won't learn. So um yeah that's that's really uh, I'm, I'm 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 very open and I can't just walk away from this music. Yeah yeah absolutely. Even using using um tuning on your vocal. I mean there's a de- you know it would be decried by our generation. Oh
0: my god it's awful and whatever. I was surprised to hear some of that on this record.
1: Oh man I love it. I love it because I tell you who turned me on to it in a big way was um um oh what's his name mark uh, is it Mark Cohen who was in um, a, a band called um uh,
0: Deer hoof oh Chris Cohen I know that guy Chris Cohen yeah Chris Cohen our bands did a little tour of Europe together once he made a
1: beautiful record which was just like a beautiful songs record and it was a guitar very interesting songs and and i listened and he had gentle tuning on all his voice and it was really and i thought that sounds beautiful and then you know i started listening to you know a lot of the young guys and and it can work incredibly well really productively you know
0: oh absolutely
1: but the other thing is um I'm, I'm 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 really if people would sort of would say oh sean o'hagan what's he about You said oh well he's the guy who who loves the beach boys and you know he's the guy who kind of is in love with the whole kind of uh, sunshine pop thing and whatever. And, you know, yeah, of course that is a... But But a big, massive big part of me is uh, I, I'm a soul fan, huge soul fan. Curtis Mayfield, The Impression, Curtis Mayfield's first solo album, Maxine Brown, all of that is just, you know, f- dream music for me. And I just want to kind of um, reflect it a little bit in my final years in in this business
0: okay sean you mentioned maxine brown and you sent me an exclusive cover you did of her song oh no not my baby so i'm gonna play that for the listener right now
2: when my friends told
0: sort of new renaissance right now, and it's really cool to see artists like yourself who've been around the block embracing the new forms. I really enjoyed hearing it reflected on Radom Call's Radom Calls, but I'd like to talk about how your music evolved to this point. Your first big project was the band Micro Disney, which we could do a whole episode on because that was an entire decade for you. Yeah. And it was hard for me to see the link between that band's sound and the very different approach you took with the high llamas but then i found a copy of your first sean o'hagan album entitled high llamas yeah and it began making a little more sense to me
2: okay a doggy in a tracksuit a gold flash in the sun a sneer in the expression comes and the creeps happens on my doorstep, happens down my street. Saturday I'll take you there, I'll take you on a
0: had a little column a and a little column b played by a very stripped down rock band yeah maybe somewhere in between steely dan and big star something like that
1: that's absolutely it yeah absolutely spot on
0: and moving forward that album title became your band name yeah and that stripped down sound carried on into the first high Llamas album santa barbara yeah But then on the follow-up, Gideon Gay, we start to hear the string section take a more prominent role. I was hoping you could tell me how you found yourself becoming a string arranger, and also who some of your favorite arrangers are. Okay. Well, I got to become a string arranger because
1: I—I uh, I mean, you really, you really, you've got so much insight there. Um, so when I made my first solo album, I was very—I was obsessed with 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 Alex Chilton, to be quite honest. But my songwriting style had always been kind of leaning on you know donald fagan and 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 so you're absolutely right sort of try try to roll the two together um but that was an exercise and then after that i the you know the kind of impressionistic kind of um buzz that i always got from music i just said well, I'm on my own now. I, I've got nobody. Micro Disney was was a duo. It was like Carl Cochran and myself. And then suddenly you're in your own. You said, "Well, I can just do what I want." And um, I, I really did. That's when I really went to my first love, which is obviously, you know, Pet Sounds, Smile, and, and and Brian Wilson, and just tried to understand what made that music special. If we talked about, you know, Brian Wilson and you know what 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 the driving force in his music now, it's it's, it's it's a conversation that's had over and over, and people know. I tell you what, in 1990, nobody was talking about it. Nobody.
0: That's about the time he put out his rap song, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, yeah. Nobody's talking about this. But I kind of um, wanted to kind of grab some of... I really wanted to... You know, I realised that music is so important to me. And the... Um, but there was that, there were things weird things like John Cale and Scott Walker and stuff like that. And that really that all that small orchestral but dark and experimental but slightly orchestral music again in the early 90s was just nowhere. And I just thought, this, no one's doing this. I'm just gonna do it because this is this is what I love and this is what. You know, it's always, as Farrell says, it's always best to swim upstream rather than downstream, and um, you know that's what I wanted to do. And um, got Marcus, who was in the band with me, um, Marcus Oldaway, he was a trained cellist, and I sat with him and we, I, I learned to to arrange on the piano with with Marcus a long time ago because he was he was a trained cellist and. That's where I learn, and you know, and we started on all Santa Barbara with a little bit of strings on Santa Barbara, and then Gideon Gay was where I kind of wanted to have that string sound that wasn't huge, was kind of small. You know, we're talking about three violins, one, one viola, one cello. You know, and um, it's a small, woody sound, but you know, it was it was again nobody was doing it, and when no one's doing it, you you can't go wrong because. You it's almost like you're reinventing something. And of course you're not. You're just basically carrying on a tradition. <laughs> okay. It's strings. They've been around for a long time. And then the thing is, I didn't just want to do most people would talk about George Martin and the Beatles or whatever. I was into people like David Whittaker and um Wally Stott and Ivor Raymond and um and then, you know, obviously Nelson Riddle and Bernard Herman, um, and uh and you know and of course you know Ravel and foray because you know man Ravel is probably the the greatest
0: that definitely comes across yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: were you listening to that stuff at a young age
1: no i had no music in my childhood um apart from radio no 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 i came to all that when i was an adult so i had no no idea about classical music or modern music nothing i didn't know and i just thought everything was heavy and dark and everything sounded like beethoven or or twiddly like haydn or um predictable like mozart i didn't i didn't realize that there was this thing this thing called french impressionist music which was just the basis of jazz effectively and and when i kind of I just couldn't believe that there were guys wandering around Paris, you know, in, in 1880, wearing strange clothes, drinking aperitifs and making this music that could be made anytime. time. You know, that is just amazing.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about your fascination with American music and hadn't even taken the French music into consideration. Oh, yeah. But you jump across the pond a lot stylistically.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and especially when we even when we're talking about string arranging. Um, if you even if you do something like listen to, you know, Peggy Lee or Ray Charles, uh, or you listen to George Jones, and you listen to those really beautiful, slightly sweet, slightly out of tune strings that you'll get recorded in Memphis. I mean, Memphis, uh, Charlie Rich and um, Ray Charles would use the same string section. Or you get that really nice, very simple, um, fifth late fifties arrangement where you've just got eight strings playing unison behind the vocal. You know, it's a and, and just very and a great big plate reverb on it. Fantastic, you know. Or or and you might hear it on a duop um, record. You might hear it on a I don't know. You might hear it on a Dion record or something like that you know there's so you've got you know you don't just have the rich kind of string tradition you've also got this beautiful 50s pop string tradition as well. also got things like on the on very playful strings, you know, jumping around. It's almost like it's got Baroque, one bit of Baroque and then there's pop and Baroque and, 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 and you know, all sorts of stuff going on there and maybe a little bit of, um, you know, experimenting going on there and... Um, i've never i have i've not yet done big 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 strings i haven't had the money or the inclination or the knowledge to do that um i'm very much you know a chamber and quartets and chamber chamber music that's 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 what i can handle
0: yeah like a living room full of people it's a lush but intimate sound for sure absolutely and people have been reaching out to you for decades now to give their music the Sean O'Hagan treatment. Sandre Lurke, Paul Weller.
1: Yeah, I did a, a band in Norway called Hockney, that, and I did Chris Cummings. I did Sandre um, from Norway. I was working with Friars last year, and those strings are pretty wild. Um, I've done Elsa Soares, the Brazilian singer from the 50s, um, I've done a lot of Brazilian stuff. I've done um, Stefan uh, Juan, I did Vanessa de Mata, she's a kind of a diva, a um, Brazilian diva. <laughs>
3: Si yo vengo a negro.
0: Speaking of collaborations, you were also a member of Stereolab, one of my other favorite bands. Mm. That collaboration went both ways. Yeah. Because you had members of Stereolab on some of the High Llamas albums, as well as your soundtrack work with their guitarist, Tim Gain. Yeah. What's the story there?
1: Okay, so there was a very good friend of mine called Brian O'Neill, and he was the um, press agent for Stereolab, and they needed a keyboard player. So he said, Sean, you would be perfect. Um, Would you come along, meet the band? And, you know, I I went down to a show and they said, can you join next week? And I and I said, yeah, absolutely. And so that started. And then Tim and myself are very close. We were in we were in touch with each other just last weekend. In fact, Um, he's in Berlin and um, we shared so much and I learned so much from him. I would say that Gideon Gay, the kind of looseness and the kind of, if you, you know, you were talking earlier, he said that it went from this kind of rock album to a Gideon Gay, which was very, very different. A lot of that had to do with hanging out with Tim and, 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 and him just saying, you can loosen up and just cut it up a bit, literally cut the tracks up. Don't You don't have to have a song that starts and finishes. You can just cut them around. And so, yeah, I just became the arranger and the keyboard player and bits of bass player and all sorts of stuff. Um, And then, of course, we did, you know, lots of records together. Or we did Turn On together as well, of course. And um, that was great fun, Turn On.
0: Right. Turn On is kind of a dance record, I guess. (laughs)
1: Hopefully it's going to be reissued on vinyl this year, which would be nice. And and I think Tim and myself might revisit that kind of... We might do something together around that. We might produce something new.
0: And you were on keys in the earlier, dronier days of Stereo Lab. Mm. I imagine the keyboard player has a pretty relaxing role in that scenario, where you can just hold down a chord for a long time
1: i mean lots of gigs where i could i could literally hold the cord down and get up and 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 take a walk and just you know while while i was uh, holding the cord down but if you listen to space age bachelor pad music that's where i went in the studio and that you know you i think you can possibly hear that on the record that's when i went first went in the studio with them
0: oh that album's a very cherished part of our record collection here at home
1: It's, it's so funny because, you know, you talk about all of these moments like the Stereolab moment and, you know, how you got to Gideon Gay from micro Disney. And, but one of the things, obviously, recently, you know, things have changed. I mean, oh, man, it's been a very strange year. and uh, Last year I was like, I thought it was down and out because I, I had cancer last year. I, I was like just didn't know what was going to go on and trying to actually hold things together and trying to, you know, am I going to write again? Am I going to do anything? But, um, you know, the having a nylon string guitar at home and, and a melodica and um, maybe being able to go out on stage and just represent whatever it is you do musically, whatever it is that's inside you, you know, those chords and, you know, it's expensive to there's no money around it's expensive to play but being able to get into a room with an nylon string guitar a piano and a melodica and maybe two other people who want to join you and sing and and trying to actually just give that music out just it's joyful that's 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 all that's all I want that's (laughs) all I want you know that'll do me
0: Man, that must have been terrifying. Are you doing better these days?
1: I'm doing very well. I've been through my chemo and
0: I'm stronger and stronger. And I want
1: to kind of one day be able to get on the plane again and fly out to Washington State and, you know, go into a small bar and just sing the songs, you know, and <laughs> have a, a borrow a piano from somebody. Somebody can turn up with a piano. I'll have my nylon string and just sit, sit and sing and and talk, and maybe have two people in the audience who've got good voices who don't mind actually improvising with a, on a microphone with you. That's that's what I I swear I, I do that. I I've gone to France and I've done stuff like done it like that.
0: While we're still on the topic of your music in the 20th century, back in those days, a lot of music journalists said the High Lamas owed a lot to a certain iconic American band. And I was just wondering if you could talk about your love of the Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys.
1: <laughs> I, I, I. You know, they they basically made cartoon cartoon music um, cool again, and, and cartoon existence cool again.
0: The same could be said for the Beach Boys as well, right? Yeah. Their album Love You.
1: Yeah. Oh man, Beach Boys Love You. The most. The, I mean, what the hell was going on during that record? Incomplete songs and personality clashes between Mike Love and Brian Wilson. And Brian, clearly, uh, too ill to really participate.
0: Right. There's personality clashes between Brian Wilson and Brian Wilson that play there, too, probably.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, Unbelievable. What, What a strange, strange record and really Beautifully loose piano playing, I love it. You know, just the they were they were just so. Uh They they weren't together. Their management didn't understand them. They didn't understand the world, because the world was basically you know freaking out, and you know you know Hendrix had come along, and Cream had come along, and you know you know the Brits were pushing out heavy metal and. All that stuff, and they were trying to understand. They were going, "We're we're good with this. We could be. We can do this. We can be as cool as this." And of course, you know, they they. they but the, yeah, it, it's so funny because as much as they wanted to, they couldn't help but write these beautiful little songs. And even though they wanted to write kind of, you know, they wanted to write progressive, crazy progressive songs. I I I love I love them. I also kind of fear them. Um, I've, I don't, I'm, I can't really, I won't speak about it a lot, but I did spend some time with
0: them. Wait, when you say spent some time with the Beach Boys, like you played with them? I was on, I was on tour with them in the uh, mid nineties
1: for a very short, little short stint. And I was sent on missions by, ver, by Richard Branson to um, California, to Chicago, to try to convince Brian Wilson to rejoin the band and make a record. Yeah write the record and i met carl wilson um, al jardine carl wilson i spent a lot of very happy moments with them and um yeah it was i had some nice time with brian but you know it's just and i met him in london when he came to london his wife called me up and said come down and say hello and so i did and it was uh, he's you know i i i i my wish for Brian is to live live a peaceful life, and um, you know, just live 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 his life in California and enjoy enjoy his family. That's what I think he should do.
0: heard a bit of the song Get Into the Galley Shop from the High Llamas 2000 album Buzzle Bee*. It's a fantastic album with lush, psychedelic production. Yeah. And shortly thereafter, we got the album Beat, Maze and Corn, where you abandon all those electronic sounds and...
1: Yeah, I went, I, went, I, went, I went to make this record that was like woody and and, and autumn and um, and I was listening a lot to stuff like Benjamin Britten.
2: of leaf and lime
0: just heard a bit of Leaf and Lime from the High Lama's 2003 record Beat Maize and Corn. Sean Woody is a very nice description of the sound you achieved on that record. I want to know what led you to embrace this direction.
1: Two reasons. One reason was I had to make it at home and I I didn't want to go into the studio so I had to create it at home. Um, number one. And number two, I I just got tired. I thought, or well, not tired, but how many times do you want to keep sort of, kind of, I, the jitter, I wanted to make a record that didn't have the jitters. I'd been making records that were just going cutting and jumping around, and I just wanted to make a record that didn't have the jitters and had some kind of sense of of austerity about it. And um, I, I was listening to so much kind of. 20th century string music and I kind of wondered whether I could do that, I wondered whether I could make an austere record. You know, kind of dark pianos and slow moving harmonic uh, changes uh, group singing but kind of almost church group singing. All of that it's just a record without jitters it's a record that's kind of an autumn record I just kind of ready to do that.
2: For
1: Callaway. Yeah, Callaway was one of my favourites from that record because you know the kind of the beginning of where where the strings fade in with playing effectively a coda, and then and then the brass kind of experimental brass sort of chimes in one one thing i was listening to around that time was escalator in the rain a carla blair record very uh, yeah loose loose experimental brass so yeah you have people like Ma- mike mantler and you know robert wire they they all they're they're all in there they all play a part
0: John, is there anything in the works you'd like to talk about? I'm actually
1: recording at the moment. um, Will Oldham, Bonnie Prince Billy, you know, and um, he's sending me lyrics and I'm making these. It's it's like glitchy, funny little soul music with his lyrics
0: and he's going to sing it. Oh, wow. That's pretty exciting. You've worked with Will Oldham a lot over the years, right? I have, yeah, yeah. Way back on
1: the Palace stuff, and then the then the Caban collaboration where he was singing and I was doing the arrangements, and then the um, recently I did the uh, Billy Eilish tune with him and him and Bill Callahan and me, sort of creating the track. Did you hear that or not?
0: I did, but I didn't realize you were in on that.
1: Oh, uh, the Billy Eilish tune. Oh yeah, I completely. I, I did the whole thing <laughs> I did the whole track
3: Oh well, baby I don't feel so good Six words you never understood I'll never let you go Five words you'll never say Oh, I laugh along like nothing's wrong Four days has never felt so long If three's a crowd and two was us One slipped away And I just want.
2: Just for you, our conversations all in blue. Eleven, hey hey hey, 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 hey,
3: hey,
2: hey, 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 ten fingers tearing out my hair. Nine times you never made it there. I ate alone at seven. You were six, six minutes, minutes away. Yeah.
3: Make you feel
1: okay do and uh Livy my daughter's singing the uh chorus i th- i really enjoyed doing the Wilder welcome when i did that last year with with Livy and i made this tune about you know all over the world during lockdown all over the world where animals were wandering into cities you must have seen so much of it up your way but we had it in london
0: oh yeah we had some of that around here more deer and rabbits and raccoons on the streets i'm glad you took the opportunity to make a song out of that moment
3: this place please
0: To me it sounded like you were channeling Bootsy Collins. Absolutely. Or maybe a slice stone. You're, you're you're so right on all of it. I love this thing of
1: you've got the chorus sung really straight and beautifully, you know, let da you down da da ba da ba ba da da dum dum and then you've got the main singer yeah da, da, de, yeah come yeah, la, 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 la. it's the gospel and it's just fantastic, you know, it's just like sliced stone. I swear to God we 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 listen, we sit and we we um uh, you know, i have got a guitar, you know. So yeah running running uh-huh. around. You know, you know that. I just absolutely get and, that. And, and my daughter, we, we we just sing Slice Stone. We just sit in the kitchen and sing Slice Stone, you know.
0: Man, I wish I could hear that. I could listen to that all day. One, two, three.
1: Running away to get away. Ha ha
2: ha ha. You're wearing out your shoes
1: (音楽) Making blues of night and day (laughs) Ha ha hee hee You're stretching out your dues
2: Trip back
1: home.
0: One more. daddy. Well, thanks for coming on to Low Profile, Sean O'Hagan. It's been so nice talking to you. Thank you. ba, ba, ba,
2: dada da da pa pa
0: This has been Low Profile. I'm Mark Lee Morrison, and you just heard my interview with the recording artist and arranger, Sean O'Hagan, of the High Llamas, Stereo Lab, and Micro Disney. So here we are at the end of a very ambitious and experimental fourth season. It's been such a pleasure to produce these episodes, and it wouldn't have ever been possible without the generable, generable... Such generable contributions of so many people, including you. So here we are at the end of a very ambitious and experimental fourth season. It's been such a pleasure to produce these episodes, and it would not have been possible without the generous contributions of so many people, including you, the listener. So first of all, thanks to you for giving my hard work an audience. And then to the amazing lineup of guests this season. Sean O'Hagan, of course. OK Vancouver OK. Johnny Fritz. Gretchen Christopher of the Fleetwoods. Allison O'Donnell from Mellow Candle. Ed Wilcox. Mark Hosler. The Worst Nightmare. Alice Stewart. Jeffrey Lewis. Brianna Morella. A big thanks and a We're Not Worthy to all of you. I'm also filled with gratitude for all the people who contributed to this past season, like all the correspondent hosts we had earlier this year. Also, as you may have noticed, this was the first time a season of the show had a look, and that's all because of the amazing portraits of each featured guest, drawn for your visual pleasure by Taylor W. Rushing. He has an illustration business called Not Bad Illustrations, You should absolutely hire him for your next endeavor. You can find his previous work and lots of aesthetically delicious merchandise at taylorwrushing.com. Thanks also to my fam at San Francisco Street Bakery and the newly reopened Schwartz's Deli in Olympia, Washington for in-kind support from the very beginning. And finally, a big shout out to my Patreon supporters. Nick, Matt, Ruth, David, Miles, Andrew, Sean, Joe, Patrick, Matthew, Tim, Jason, Jack. It means so much to me that this work means so much to you. And anybody else who would like to chip in and help this show keep existing, you can visit patreon.com lowprofile. We're on Instagram at lowpropodcast and all episodes of this show with expanded content and context can be found at lowprofilepodcast.com. If you have some catching up to do on previous episodes, get your headphones on now, because the next season is heading your way in October. There's no sign of slowing down here. We've already got more than half of Season 5 recorded. Last, but most of all, thanks to my astonishing wife, Lonnie, for believing in this endeavor, and our amazing children, Camille, Lulu, and Felix, for being the best kids a papa could ever ask for. Until next time, as the late and great Tom T. Hall sang. May the voice be That's all for now, catch you in October.